0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate
1: responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
0: Golden, Colorado.
1: London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential
0: global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEC. Open makes more possible.
1: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishkas and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau, and 670 The Score's hockey guy, Jay
0: Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, boys and girls, to this special edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Navo from NBC5 Chicago. With me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of Six 670 The Score of the I'm Fat Podcast of best-selling authorship fame. And, Jay, this is a special podcast for many, many reasons, one of which is it's our last podcast before the regular season starts.
2: Yeah, and it's a good one. We've got... Uh, the Jeremy Cowton contract expen- extension to talk about. We are ha- going to have a conversation with Blackhawks defenseman Connor Murphy. We've got some uh, odds on the season coming up. We're going to make our season predictions, so a ton to get to. So we're going to not waste any more time. Follow us uh, on Twitter at MadhousePod, uh, Instagram Madhouse underscore pod. Search for the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast on Facebook, and you'll find us patreon.com slash MadhousePod. Buy some of our merch, MadhousePod merch, powered by our friends at Triple Threat Sports for all your team outfitting needs, call Chris 708-478-6090. And uh our Patreon page, Madhouse Pod. I'm sorry, Patreon.com slash Madhouse Pod for everything, Madhouse Podcast, go to madhousepod.com. I think I covered everything. I think that's Seems all about right. right, yeah. All right, so let's begin with the big news of the day. Blackhawks head coach Jeremy Calton has signed a two-year contract extension with the team. Uh, So that's not a big shock. I think we all knew that was coming based on, you know, the way Stan Bowman was talking this offseason and the way they've been talking about the future. That contract, though, aligns with the expiration of the Patrick Kane contract, the Jonathan Taves contract, and the Alex Dobrynka contract. So a big three years ahead. Uh, And Duncan Keith. Wow, forgot about that one, too. Uh, Duncan Keith's contract is up in three years as well. So a lot of big numbers coming off the books then. And that will be a pivotal moment in franchise history. Will Bowman and Cowton, who are also aligned now contractually, uh, will they be around for the next generation of the Blackhawks? We're going to find out.
0: Yeah, that that was kind of the first thought that I had was it just is kind of – basically tying everybody together for the foreseeable future because Colleton was going into this season. I believe he was going to be a lame duck coach if an extension didn't get done. So like you alluded to Jay, just not a huge shock that they were going to get him uh, tied up to a contract extension. Obviously didn't know how long it would be a two year extensions, not exactly the longest thing in the world. So I guess that does kind of bring up its own questions, but I think the big conclusion that you can draw from the fact that they got him under contract in a two-year contract specifically to take him to the end of what I guess this window is what you would call it. I think the, the key thing here is that his faith and Stan Bowman's fate do seem to be inexorably linked together. And I don't think that, I don't think you're going to see one leave without the other, especially now. I think now that they've kind of, you know, gone this direction, they've, they've emphasized this direction multiple times I think that this is just the final sign that they are going to be tied at the hip and whatever fate befalls one will befall the other. So I think that's kind of the big conclusion that we can draw from the fact that they gave him this contract extension today. And that's how it should be. They should be tied
2: together. You know, and and now, you know, we've got all these sort of things that were nebulously hanging over Stan Bowman's tenure. Like, oh, how involved is John McDonough and blah, blah, blah. You nope. Know? Now it's fully Bowman and fully Cowton and if they fail, they will be fired. And look, I, I'm not I, I'm not going to get mad about this. I've said this a lot. I think you kind of feel the same way. i still not totally sure what to make of Jeremy Cowton Is he a good coach or not? I don't know if – I know – you know, I'm confident saying he's not a good coach because they haven't won. They haven't had a lot of success. I haven't seen a lot of growth from young players, if anything – You've seen some guys take some steps back. Alex Debrinkit, while his all-around game was better, offensively, the numbers went way down last season. Dylan Strom had a down year after having a really solid year after the trade from Arizona. Adam Boquist sort of leveled out, but maybe he wasn't ready to be called up, and that, as we understand, was a John McDonough decision to call up Adam Boquist early. So now he's got these next two or three years to say, look at what I've done. Look what I've developed. Look how good Boquist is. Look how good Mitchell is. And if you look around the league, the whole this guy's really young thing doesn't really play anymore. Prospects are becoming good right away, very, very quickly. You know, like Kale McCarr jumped into Colorado and was excellent last year. There's so many young players that are making immediate impacts. So, you know, if if Adam Boquist doesn't take a big step this year, that to me is worrisome. Right? Like if he doesn't look like a top four guy this year for most of the year, that's problematic. So Jeremy Count was brought in here for his communication skills, air quotes, and to develop the young players. Well, he's going to have a great opportunity to develop young guys this year. So let's see it. I'm on board. Let's see it. I hope Sam Bowman's right. I hope I hope Jeremy Count is his excellent communicator and developer. And I'm happy to say I was wrong, you know, in a year or two. But right now I'm just not seeing it. So it's up to Count and Bowman to show us.
0: Well, I mean, you you said it that we. It's still a very much a you prove it thing when it comes to Jeremy Colliton and developing young talent. And literally, the first thing that Stan Bowman said in the press release and the statement that was released today is about his development. Jeremy has shown an innate ability to develop young talent throughout his two seasons as head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. But who? We can, we we can, I was going to say, can you uh, give us an example, Stan? Like, I, I saw somebody had phrased this question or posed this question, I should say, on Twitter today, and it was really interesting to me. If Stan Bowman hadn't lucked into the third pick in the draft and gotten Kirby Doc, who could you argue that Jeremy Colleton has helped develop? Well, and that's the thing, and it seems like
2: Doc's development happened when he was away from the Hawks. <laughs> you know, like everything shut down, everybody went home, and then Doc just started working on his own and came back and was this totally different guy. I mean, look, it's unfair to take that that credit away from Jeremy Cowton So I guess in fairness, we have to say that he that Kirby Doc took a big step under Jeremy Cowton The kid was the third overall pick, though, and that step was going to come regardless. But like we said earlier, what, what did Alex Nylander do last year? Mm-hmm. Was he any different from the guy that was in Buffalo? Not really. He just got more opportunities, so his numbers went up. I mean, look, okay, can we give him credit for Dylan Strome being a better player after the trade from Arizona to Chicago? Does he get any credit for finding a place where Dylan Strome ho- found consistent offensive success?
0: Okay, but he did in his first season, not his second. I exactly. would argue that he took a step back last year.
2: He, But in fairness, Strome was injured. So he, he was banged up all year. So we've got to – like that's the thing is it's hard to just go through the checklist of who got better. But I'm not – I don't see any young player on this roster – who I can point to and say, there's a guy that Jeremy Cowton made better. And Kubelik, how about him? It took until halfway through the season for Cowton to realize that maybe Dominic Kubelik should be on the power play.
0: Yeah. Right. I mean, he, he you could make the argument that it took him you know, until halfway through the season to fully become acclimated to the North American game, and Jeremy Colleton did him a favor by not throwing him into a situation where he wouldn't have been successful until he felt comfortable doing that. Yeah, but isn't a
2: power play an easier place to be? It's not the penalty kill. Right, like okay, stand here and wait for. I the don't pass.
0: know the the Blackhawks power play kind of stinks. I don't know if you can really uh, say that it's easier. Well, th- that's the thing is Stan Bowman. How, however, you are listening to this,
2: and however you're feeling about it, if you believe Calton deserves credit for Kubelik or docker or whoever, I just I don't think anyone, however you feel, can have the confidence Stan Bowman has about his development because mm-hmm. nothing is obviously because of Jeremy Calton. I just, I don't see that. And I'm telling you, man, number 27, Adam Boquist, is so important to the future of this team. And if he does not develop into a top four, top three type defenseman, then I I find that an organizational failure.
0: That's a top 10 pick in the draft. And I know that we've always said and we've always been very cautious about saying that, uh, defensemen don't always uh, develop linearly that you sometimes have to wait a couple of years for them to really hit their full potential. But I, I can see that. I can see where he would be kind of the ultimate litmus test of a guy like Jeremy Colleton's developmental skill would be a guy like Adam Boquist. That's just a perfect example of what the Blackhawks are going to, you know, be looking for when it comes to you know his ability to kind of develop these guys. And I will also say isn't it weird that the language and our kind of takes around Jeremy Colleton are all based on this kind of incomplete understanding of what it is that he's actually really solid at, and it's already been almost two years. It's been more than two years mm-hmm. since he's been hired, but it's only been like a year and a half worth of, I guess, hockey when you figure in the COVID stoppage and all of that stuff.
2: Yeah. it's. I just I said it this morning when I saw the news. I don't know what to make of Jeremy Colleton still. And we've seen several different systems. And we know last November he was told, hey, uh, change your system because we're not going to get our asses kicked by the San Jose Sharks every night. You know, like, that's just not going to happen. That, that can't happen. So go back to what you were doing last year. It was higher risk, but it was working. And at least was you were putting some pucks in the net. So it's there's a lot that remains to be seen. I don't automatically hate Jeremy Cowden. I know a lot of Hawks fans do. And like I said, I want it to work out if they home grow a coach that's wonderful. I think every Hawks fan should be rooting for Jeremy Cowton to be a great head coach. That would be really really good news. I just see this confidence and this assuredness from Bowman like he's a good developer. And I just throw my hands up like where? Yeah. Where is this great development? I I don't I don't see it.
0: I think that you and I are kind of in the same place where we're probably just going to be taking the wait-and-see approach with this. I think that, like we had discussed earlier, it does seem pretty obvious that the Blackhawks are you know, tying these two together. They are committed to this different direction, whatever you want to call it, reload, rebuild, whatever it is, and it's very clear that they think that Jeremy Colleton is the guy who's going to be able to carry them through this. And I think that Stan Bowman has had to do a lot of kind of mental calculus to make sure that this is the guy that he wants to basically tie his fate to. And I'm not going to say – whether or not it's going to work, I mean, I'll obviously happily admit it, if they do start to develop some really solid guys on the blue line, which you're going to have a lot of uh, potential options in that area this season that could make jumps forward. And he, Jeremy Colleton will have opportunities to showcase his developmental ability this season based on the guys that we suspect are going to end up being on their roster when it gets named later this afternoon. And this is step one in a very interesting process, and all eyes are going to be on those young guys and on the decisions that Stan Bowman and Jeremy Colleton make when it comes to deployment and when it comes to development.
2: Yeah, and I'm very uh, anxious to see that roster that will be released today. I, I think we have a pretty solid idea of what it's going to be, and what I like about it is that they are keeping the young guys on the taxi squad. The Kurashevs, the Carlson, like, those type of guys are going to be... Do you think be...
0: Kurashev is going to be on the taxi squad, by I the do. way, or do you think he's got a shot at the roster? Um, He might have a shot at the roster, actually. I, I, I don't... Th- I am kind of leaning towards him being on the taxi squad, but just on the way they've been using him in scrimmages and practices, I feel like it's at least... It's a conversation, for sure. Like, I think that he... It's very interesting the way that they've been using him in camp, and I know he wasn't among the you know top 12 forwards in their practice yesterday, but at the same time, I still feel like they like what they've seen for him, and I think they're still kind of trying to determine how fast they want to hit the gas pedal and to get him going.
2: Well, we will tell you what the Hawks lines looked like most recently in a second, but first I want to tell you about our friends at fry the coop and FryTheCoop.com, go get some great nashville hot chicken don't be like me and accidentally drive past it last weekend because you forgot you were in west town and that you were just about to drive by a fry the coop and there was a mcdonald's there instead and you got that and you're an idiot don't be like me go to FryTheCoop.com. the coop.com. oaklawn elmhurst west town prospect heights coming soon to tinley park god i cannot wait for it to come to tinley park what is fry the coop nashville hot chicken in all its forms tenders sandwiches how about a donut sandwich yeah yeah a sandwich isn't unhealthy enough for you fine we're gonna put our fried chicken between a donut how do you like that tubby yeah you like that don't you they also got chicken and waffles they've got craft beer when things are open but the best part right now as we're in the middle of a pandemic you may have noticed you may have uh, missed that news they got pickup windows place your order online at frythecoop.com walk up they hand you your order through a window you're in and out easy peasy no waiting nice and safe very little contact Fry the Coop is doing great during this pandemic, and it's because of Madhouse Podcast listeners and uh, because of their uh, commitment to your safety. So go support them. Fry the Coop, coop frythecoop.com. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. All right, here's what the lines were uh, at yesterday's practice, and this is probably pretty accurate to what opening night's going to look like. Top line is Strom centering DeBrinckit and Kane. No surprise there. Second line, Walmart centering Yanmark and Shaw. Third line, Pia Suter centering Kubalik and, and uh, Brandon Peary. You could argue that's the second line. David uh-huh. Kempf centering Matthew Highmore and Ryan Carpenter. There's your fourth line. Defensive pairs, Keith and Murphy, our guest later on the podcast. Yeah, top pairing defenseman, Connor Murphy. We that's should right. uh, give him his due. Nikita Zadorov and Adam Boquist, Kelvin DeHaan and Ian Mitchell. And then the fourth pair is Nicholas Bodan and Lucas Carlson. And in no particular order, your goalies, Malcolm Subban Calvin Delia, Kevin Lankinen.
0: I know we had given uh, some conversational time to who the third goaltender was going to be on the roster. It's obviously going to be Lankinen now since they put Matt Tompkins on waivers and he cleared, so he will likely be the starting netminder for the baby Blackhawks, the Rockford Ice Hogs. That's right. So, uh, I'm,
2: by the way, maybe hear you asking what's up with Soderbergh. Soderberg is still having uh, immigration issues. Uh so we have an update on this by the way. Oh we do. His visa
0: he's visa cleared this morning. He is currently he is currently in quarantine. He will be eligible to play for the team beginning on January twenty second. January twenty second. Okay. Let me grab my schedule over here. So the whole idea is that Carl Soderberg has not been able to participate in training camp with the Blackhawks. It's not clear if they're just going to lo- jump him right into the lineup or not. We'd been speculating a lot about who was skating in his place. We had originally thought that it was Brandon Peary. More and more that we see Peary in camp, though, at least I'm speaking for myself here, the more I think they actually look at Peary as a guy who's going to be kind of a regular part of the mix. I think they really like his goal-scoring ability, and I think that they want to have him with Kubelik so that teams can't just ISO on him and maybe give a little bit of a boost to Suter. I really do like that third, second, whatever line you want to call it of Suter, Peary, and Kubelik. I do actually kind of like that combination, if I'm being honest.
2: I just, you know, I just feel like Peary is at thirty years old. You know, give a kid a chance, but I, I guess get-
0: he's still one of the few guys that is a proven NHL scorer on this roster, man. And I and I say proven NHL scorer, obviously with a giant asterisk. I'm saying. Not much of a scorer, but that is his game. (laughs) He scores goals like that is what Brandon Peary does. It's not like he's coming in there to move the puck around and to be Mr. Facilitator. No, that dude is out here to shoot and to score. That's what he's here for.
2: 72 goals and 275 games. That's probably higher than I would have predicted. So, yeah, he's about uh, a little less than half a point per game. Uh, So, by the way, with Soderbergh, the 22nd of January would mean he misses the trip to Florida. The two games versus Tampa, the two games versus the Panthers. So we'd be back for the Friday, the twenty second home opener uh, versus Detroit. If he's if they deem him ready to play, but I think as soon as he shows up, there he's going to be in the lineup. That's a veteran. and also
0: Stan Bowman did say that Brent Seabrook is close to skating again, yeah, and they'll be being... able to provide more clarity tomorrow when the NHL's like kind of weird uh, rules go away and they can be a little bit more transparent about what's going on with him. So. We haven't seen the last of Brent Seabrook. It's just a very interesting matter of what exactly is going on with him. And it sounds like we're going to find out maybe tomorrow. Yeah. No
2: point in speculating. Just uh, kind of looking forward to hearing what it might be. Speaking of tomorrow, um, the Connor Murphy interview we're going to have on the back end of this podcast was unexpected. I asked the Hawks last week, didn't hear back. And then all of a sudden they're like, how about later today? I'm like, okay, cool. We can do that. Um, So we're going to push our lightning preview with Kaylee Chelios to Wednesday. So, Uh, Maybe James or I can do a little short podcast on the front of that one, updating the roster and things like that. But look for the Kaylee Chelios Tampa Bay Lightning preview on Wednesday. All right, James, let's get to some season predictions here as we are uh, recording this on the eve of the NHL season. I want to get your take for the winners of the four divisions. Northwest,
0: Central, East, and your Stanley Cup champion. So the, the playoff format this season is interesting because it's not a traditional Western and Eastern Conference thing. I don't know how they're going to give out the Campbell and Prince of Wales trophies this year because... The way they're going to seed the semifinals, at least the way that I read it, is that the top points team that gets through the divisional round, because the first two rounds of the playoffs, remember, are interdivisional. So you play teams in your own division the first two rounds. The semifinal will be the team that's left that had the top point total during the regular season will get the one seed, then two, three, four. So it'll be one, four versus two, three. I I find that fascinating that you could end up having – a potential Stanley Cup final between teams that are traditionally in the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. Hell, you could have a Stanley Cup final that would be something like St. Louis, Dallas, where it's like two central division teams battling for the cup. I think that's pretty freaking awesome if you ask me. Yeah, that's definitely going to throw. I, You know, I, I say it all the time. I love chaos.
2: I love chaos. And this is definitely chaotic. So maybe the best way to do this is who do we think the best four teams are going to be? Let's yeah, just, maybe we pick one from each division. That might be the you know who
0: wins each division. Right. Maybe is let's way to well let's this. start with since they I guess can be credited with inventing the game, and since I have a kind of Canadian bent to my personality anyway, <laughs> let's start with the North. I think that there are probably three teams that are really going to be battling it out for the top spot in the North. I think it'll be Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal. I'm going with Montreal. I think that a lot of people are sleeping on what a strong team the Canadians are. And I know that like Toronto's obviously got the sexy talent and they've got all the, you know, the John Tavareses and the Austin Matthews. I don't know, man. I for some reason, the Montreal Canadians this year, just they scream to me the team that can somehow make it through those seven squads and get out of the North division. OK, uh, I hate to do this. Um, but I really feel
2: like, uh, Toronto is a team to beat in this division. They're, they're just a good team. They brought in Joe Thornton. I don't know what he's got left in the tank necessarily. How did Patrick Marlowe work out for them? Uh, I know, but I think it's Thornton is probably being used differently. It looks like based on what I've seen there. So I'm saying, uh, Toronto is the best team in Canada. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that Calgary, is probably a team that's maybe a little bit underrated too, but they lost some guys. I'm going to go with Toronto as much as it pains me. And look, I think we all sort of like Winnipeg should be good, but they just can't get out of their own way. Sometimes it never feels it seems. like they
0: can. You are absolutely correct. That's the perfect way to phrase that. But when, like, at some point, all
2: that talent has to come to fruition, right? But you've got a uh, you know a seemingly unhappy Patrick Laine and that whole thing to be worked out. So yeah, I just because of the. Uncertainty. I'm going with Toronto to win the North, even though it's boring. (laughs) I don't like that.
0: No, it's fine. I mean, that's. (laughs) I'm not going to criticize you for picking chalk. Who that? Like, honestly, people who like get mad about like predictions for chalk picks, the top teams in each division. Whatever. You know what? We're doing this because we think that we're going to be right. And that's right. The odds are Toronto is probably favored in that division for a reason. They're a really good freaking hockey team. I just, I don't know, Montreal just, they scream to me that team that kind of, you know, comes out of the pack a little bit, and I know that a lot of outlets have picked them to finish second or third, so it's not like I'm breaking new ground here, but I'm just, I'm sticking with Montreal. They're a fascinating team to me, and I cannot wait to watch them play. All right, do you want to go, let's go to the West, Jay. I think the West is a a division that we've all kind of looked at with, interest because there are several teams in there that could potentially make noise in a Stanley Cup final. I'm really looking at Colorado, St. Louis, and Vegas for that honor. And out of those four te- out of those three teams, excuse me, I-, I know this is probably the chalk pick. I'd imagine that a lot of people are just selecting them for this. I'm going with Colorado. But, yeah, it, yeah. but St. Louis is really, really good. Adding Mike Hoffman to that roster almost wasn't fair. That is going to be A fascinating division, but I am sticking with Colorado.
2: Colorado is my pick as well. I also have an eye on Vegas who just, they just don't go away. They just stay competitive. They're really solid. They're really deep. We had a good look at them, obviously, in the playoffs. And you saw the difference between contender and pretender in that series. But I just like everything Colorado did this offseason. Look, they added Brandon Saad. That's going to help them. Uh, Kale McCarr is another year older. Who knows if Bowen Byram makes the team there uh, i think that they're gonna be what a good re- problem to have i know really colorado is stacked and i i do well we'll get to it but i think this might actually be the year where colorado takes home the cup
0: oh teasy uh we're gonna skip the central because obviously we want to go with the blackhawks division last we're gonna build up the suspense the best for last. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll never i we're going to the east now in the east has been kind of the don't. This area has kind of been the domain of the Boston Bruins recently, but obviously you have the Flyers, the Penguins, and the Capitals, all of whom could potentially knock them off. Heck, the Islanders could have a really solid squad this year. I am actually, I had originally like leaned towards Boston. I'm going Philadelphia, man. I, wow. I think that, I think that Philadelphia they. They've put they've quietly put together just this like really fascinating roster. They've got a great mix of old and young talent on that team. And I I know. Boston is awesome. Pittsburgh is awesome. Washington, you can never bet against Alex Ovechkin. It it pains me to say this. But when I look at all of those rosters and I kind of look at the team that could potentially like be the surprise, I guess, which is kind of always a factor when it comes to these divisional uh, preview type things. I just I look at Philadelphia's roster. I look at guys like Claude Giroux, Travis Konechny. I look at, you know, the Lindbaums, the Raffles, just like you go up and down their roster. They have so many interesting players and they've got such a great mix of old and young talent. I'm going with them, and I guess that means I'm picking Eric Gustafson to win a divisional title. Who would have thought that would have happened? (laughs) Yeah,
2: but, you know, they had a a really good year last year. I think people, you know, Boston was so good that a lot of people lost sight of how good the uh, Flyers were. They're a pretty solid team, and uh, it's just, you know, I look at the Bruins. They didn't lose too much. They're so – they lose to Dano Chara, who goes to the Washington Capitals. By the way, you know who else is on the Washington Capitals? Trevor Van Uh, Riemsdyk. Michael (laughs) Kempney. Yeah, him too. Um, But I'm going to go with Boston. Again, another chalk pick. But they're just so good. They're so deep. So talented. Uh, New captain, Patrice Bergeron. This year, if that team stays healthy, especially at the top, they're going to be really tough to beat. I I really like Boston in that division. I I wish the Rangers were better and more exciting. Maybe this year they will be um, with uh, Lafreniere coming in. Mm -hmm. But – I just can't. And you still got Artemi Panarin. They do have Panarin. I just, I'm not ready to give them that yet. I do think it's going to come down to Boston or Philly, but I'm going to give it to Boston.
0: All right, I think that's fair. I, I would probably pick Boston to be my second team. I think that your picks that have opposed mine, I would probably put them in the second slot in both instances: Toronto and Boston. So, okay. I think that we're, we're roughly on the same pathway here. I'm interested to see what happens, however, when we turn our focus to the Central. For those of you who do not remember, the Blackhawks now happily share a division with Carolina, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, Nashville, and Tampa Bay just a wonderful motley crew of fun here and we've really enjoyed kind of going through all of these different teams and kind of learning about them through our incredible guests that we've had and thank you to all of them for coming on the podcast and sharing their wisdom with us kind of makes you feel like you know we've accomplished something we can get a guy like a george richards or a len casper a kaylee chelios to come on our podcast and of course You get Brian Hedger back in here, a guy that we've loved for many, many years, and he enlightened us to the John Tortorella-led Columbus Blue Jackets. So, Jay, after hearing from all of these folks and seeing teams like Dallas and Chicago with our own eyes, what are you thinking, man? Who do you have to win the Central?
2: Well, after hearing from Brian Hedger, it's really hard to not pick the Blue Jackets (laughs) (laughs) because he was high on the Blue Jackets, man. Maybe he was just high. Hedger's no, just high on life, man. <laughs> it's impossible to not go with Tampa. It's just impossible. They're so stacked top to bottom. They're uh, they're just, I think they're the best team in hockey, uh, or you know, at least in, I don't know, I think they're right there with Colorado. They're right there with Vegas. Those are kind of my favorite teams in league. In Boston, um, in terms of how, how good I think they are, I, I just can't go against Tampa. I think Carolina can make some noise, but they're just not quite there yet. I think it's Tampa, and I think it's Tampa by a, by a, kind of a
0: landslide. Oh, you just can't go against Tampa. Oh, you got... Well, let me tell you something, Uh-oh. Jay. I'm not going against Tampa. I'm not <laughs> an idiot. I love the Carolina Hurricanes. I do think that that team... They have what it takes to kind of make noise in a playoff series and to really kind of screw with an opponent. I think that Carolina has kind of all the requisite pieces. They've got a solid defense. they got a good offense. They've addressed goaltending in the offseason. Like, I think that Carolina, if they, ups, if they upset Tampa Bay, like, say, in the second-round playoff series in that division, would not surprise me in the least if that happened – but like you said, you just you cannot bet against a Tampa team that is still still the favorite even though they will not have Nikita Kucherov in the regular season. How obscene is that? I know. Can you imagine like another team losing a player of that caliber and still being heavily favored? No, it's impossible. Tampa uh, they, not a lot of teams repeat as Stanley Cup champions, but the Tampa Bay Lightning have a damn good chance and I will say They're going to get in the playoffs. They're going to win the central. They're just a terrifyingly good team. And we get to see them tomorrow night. We. Well, who is your pick for Stanley cup champion? My friend, I have to say it. It's Colorado. I just got done talking up the Tampa Bay lightning and how awesome they are. And I stand by all of that. However, I just I think that this is the year Colorado takes a step forward. And after winning a pretty tough division against some really good, solid opponents like St. Louis and Vegas, I think Colorado takes it, man. I I think that Philadelphia and Montreal, both really strong teams, and there's a reason I picked them to win their division. And of course, Tampa is freaking Tampa. I, just, I think it's Colorado, man. That's who I'm going with. Yep, I'm going with the same. And
2: uh, it is very, very difficult to repeat as Stanley Cup champions. We've seen that uh, as Blackhawks fans for a, a long time. Uh, even though your team could be really, really great, it's just tough to do it year after year after year, shortened season. My fear with Tampa is... Steven Samkos they're still relying on him and he is so banged up so injury prone I know there's been some freakish sort of things and remember we're going to preview the lightning with Kaylee Chelios daughter of Chris Chelios on tomorrow's podcast but I, I don't know I just feel like this is the year for Colorado they're just stacked top to bottom they're a really solid team I just I love them and I think they're ready to go and when these now you're getting the young core starting to catch up with those Wiley veterans and uh look out for colorado i think they're going to be really really good and uh th- the rest of the west you know vegas st louis and colorado pretty solid the rest are kind of uh...
0: yeah that's that was kind of <laughs> the first thought i had is yeah. that that's a very top heavy division i have no idea what to think about arizona they're always a team that kind of like bounces back and forth between who they could be good and oh they cannot be good and I still think Anaheim and L.A. are still, like, a little ways away from contending. Obviously, we saw some of their prospects on full display in the World Junior Championships, so clearly the future is bright for those teams. Not so sure about the present. Do we want to make a bet, by the way? I know we just both picked the same freaking Stanley Cup champion, so we can't make a bet on that. Do you want to make a bet on the uh, NHL North Division, uh, Toronto and Montreal? Do we want to bet like a bottle of homemade maple syrup or something? <laughs> we should. A Tim Hortons gift card that we can't use? <laughs> Tell you uh, what. How about this? I have an idea. All Let's right. have our listeners decide what we should wager on the... No, because
2: people are going to want nude photos or
0: something. No, they. why would anybody want that? You never know that's true an we, don't you, we don't know what you people like we're not kink shaming here no as long as it's consensual you're good to go
2: yeah. um okay that's fine let's we'll put it up to our listeners to pick something uh madhousepod at gmail.com you have suggestions on what we should bet each other uh let us know madhousepod at gmail.com all right got some hawks player props i want to run by you but first want to tell you about Marishka's and crest hill they are our day one sponsor 604 theater street they're family owned and operated since 1933 we've told you time and time again about their poor boys about the yodel burger about their steaks the chops the seafood the double baked potatoes the mountains of onion rings but man everything on that menu at mariska's is fantastic if you've not gone go support local business support family-owned businesses support neighborhood institutions Mariska's is all of those things and more so give them a visit once again 604 theater street visit our website marishkas.com or go to facebook.com slash marishkas that's m-e-r-i-c-h-k-a-s they're closed only on christmas easter the fourth of july and thanksgiving all right so james these were sent to me as a radio producer uh, by jimmy shapiro at betonline.ag these are some of the blackhawks and uh, blackhawk alumni uh point totals are setting for this season and i want to get your take on these i also made my own for dylan strome which we'll do last so first up i'm going to go through some of the alumni players for the blackhawks total points scored by artemi panarin remember this is a 56 game season the point total for artemi panarin was set at 65 and a half are you going over or under artemi panarin 65 and a half
0: I am going to go over because unlike you, I don't view him as a one trick pony. I think he's a really talented, (laughs) I heard you scoff and get angry in the background. I enjoyed that. Um, I I think that, obviously, with the talent that New York has added this season, I do think that he's going to be able to kind of share the load a little bit more, and I think that teams will be able to ISO on him less. Not that it mattered last season. (laughs) Panarin was just a holy terror last season. I think that he clears 65.5 points. I do think that he's going to be right there in the conversation for the Art Ross this season. I I think that he is – He's one of the most fun hockey players, I think, that's rolled through Chicago, and he's just continued that in the rest of his NHL career. I do think that he gets over that.
2: I think that's a, I think 65.5 is a great number. I'm going to go over two. I think it's going to be just over, like 66, 67, something like that. But that that's a really good number to set for Artemi Panarin, so I'm going to go over as well. By the way, uh, happy 42nd birthday to Marion Hossa. The guy who James did not want, he wanted Martin and instead.
0: I wanted Martin Havlat. Don't ever forget it, people. If we're going to bring up old shit.
2: <laughs> That's a lot older <laughs> shit than yours. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll take another loss here. Total points scored by Carolina Hurricane sensation Tavo Teravinen. The number is set at 52 and a half.
0: I'm going to let you go first since he's like your guy.
2: I'm going to say under 52 and a half. I don't really? think he's going yeah, to bet only 56 against it. games. I'm not betting against yeah, it's, him. It's
0: only 56 games. And what what's his career high in points been like 75? Yeah, think.
2: I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, but I don't think he's been a point per game guy. Se- 76, Sorry, 76 that and 82 close. games. He was 63 points in 68 games. So you could see why they picked that number. That's a pretty solid number for Tavo. But
0: I'm going to go. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under that number. 52. Screw it. I'm going over. Hurricanes, baby! I'm gonna wear my Tabo in jersey, and I'm gonna send Jay all sorts of pictures during the season of me wearing <laughs> that sweater. I, I just, I think that Carolina this season, I like I said during our divisional previews, I do think that they have the capacity and the ability to basically hang with anybody in the Central. And I just, I look at some of those teams that are in that division. Your Chicago's, your Detroit's. You look at a team like maybe Florida. I think that. They feast on teams like that. And I think that he does end up exceeding that point total. All right.
2: Last alumni for the Hawks uh, on this bet sheet. I have Robin Leonard save percentage over or under 920 and a half.
0: (laughs) Good Lord, man. That's high. (laughs) I'm trying to think of, like, how on earth can you possibly, like, quantify how can I analyze something like that? How can I be like, well, he's been working really hard on his pad work this off season, and I think that he's going to start. His save percentage last season with Vegas, with Vegas, mind you, I believe was 940, and then combined with the Blackhawks was about 920. Yeah, he was 918 with
2: Chicago last year.
0: I, I say he's going to be under. I think that he has a slight letdown just because he does have the new paper and obviously you're gonna you've had a few departures from the Golden Knights during the off season. I think that it's going to be close obviously Vegas knows what the heck they're talking about with these things I am going to go under okay for the record
2: his career save percentage is 0.918 so there that that's a solid number I'm going to go under two though that's that's a that's a pretty high number that's a pretty high
0: number, especially when in all likelihood he is going to be the guy. OK, ready for some Blackhawks ones? <laughs> Probably not, but we'll find out. <laughs> final save
2: percentage by Malcolm Subban. The final
0: countdown.
2: <laughs> Over under
0: 90 and a half under. Really? You think he's got a sub 90 save percentage? I don't think any of them are going to have a safe percentage above 90. I don't think is going to. I don't think is going to. I don't think Subban's going to. I, I'm just going to be honest. Like, what reason do I have to trust any of them in net? And what reason do I have to think that the Blackhawks defense will be good enough to limit quality shot opportunities? I think the defense is going to be better. Like, I do think that some of these younger guys that are coming in, like your Mitchells, and I have obviously another year of Boquist, I think that they're going to be – improved but I also think that with their issues that they might have scoring goals without so many key guys up front they're just gonna have to really lock down on their defense and I don't know if they're capable of doing that so I'm going under all right Subban career save percentage in
2: 66 games is 0.899 how often has he been
0: the starting goaltender he has started 60 games uh, in his career my point being is he's always been the backup. Yes. And if he's going to be, this is your first rodeo as the starter. Who, boy, good luck. All right, here's a bet I'll make with
2: you. I'll bet you that one of the Blackhawks goalies will have a save percentage over ninety. Okay. I'll bet. I'll
0: bet you a poor boy at Marishka's on that one. Poor boy at Marishka's on that. You know, I probably should say something about you know, oh, sample size and if Lincoln plays three games. I'm screw it. I'm gonna do it. Poor boy. Bet. All right. Awesome.
2: Done. Uh, I I'm gonna say I'm gonna th- I think he's gonna be right about his average. So I will say Subban under ninety, but it's gonna be like 80, like same thing, like right at ninety. Okay. Uh, total goals scored by Dominic Kubalik. Bet. Online.ag has 19 and a half is the goal
0: number for Kubalik. Oh, crap. That's exactly what I thought the line was going to be. This is an issue. I, I say over, I and I hate saying it, but too often I assume that guys are going to have a letdown in their second season after having a strong season. Watching him... After the play resumed and watching him leading up to the COVID stoppage last season, he's he's just such a good goal scorer. I think he gets at least 22 or 23. I'm going to go over that number.
2: For the record, last season, 30 goals and 68 games for Kubelik. I, too, am going to go over 20 for Dominic Kubelik. All right. Total points for Alex Dabrinkit, 42 and a half. <sighs> it's interesting. What was his point
0: total last season?
2: Uh, let me look. I am now, nav- I have navigated away from his page. Well, why would you kill do a time. foolish thing like that? I know I'm the worst. All right, Alex DeBrincat last season had NHL. like, i sucks. He had 45 <laughs> points in 70 games.
0: <sighs> yeah, and that was obviously a big time downturn after he signed that uh, contract extension with the Blackhawks. Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to go under and here's why. I'm going to go under because I think that the top line of DeBrinkit, Stroman, Kane, I have questions about whether that's going to work because I think sometimes we've seen that line, we've put it together and it's kind of been one of those things that we've been like really intrigued by and it just hasn't quite seemed like the chemistry quite works with that combination. So I think what happens is, like, the first, like, five or ten games of the season, those guys are together, and Dabrinkit doesn't really have it going. But then once they break it up and he gets paired up with somebody else, I think that he gets on a bit of a run, so he gets close to it, but I don't think he goes over. I really really like that number. 42.5 is right
2: about what I would think. I'm going to say under two, but – You know what? No, I'm going to go over just because of the opportunity he's going to have this year. He's going to get so much ice time, so much ice time this year. If he's healthy, I'm going to go over 42 and a half, but barely, barely good. I'm glad that we I'm glad we're disagreeing on
0: some of this at least.
2: All right. Now, these lines were set by known betting expert, Jay Zawoski. Oh, goody. I'm doing (laughs) Dylan Strom over under
0: 40 and a half points under Okay. I don't even really need to. Dis- I don't even need to like discuss my logic here. I just don't think that he. I don't think he gets there, and I. I'm not saying I think Dylan Strome's going to have a bad season. I just think that the player that he was when he first came to the Blackhawks. I think he. I think his like realistic like level that I think he'll get to is slightly below that. And even at that level, wasn't he still only like a, what, three-quarter a game point a game guy? Uh, 0.77 points per game. Yes. I was really close. So I, I think he's below that, and I think that that ends up costing him a little bit, and so I think he'll go under.
2: Okay, I'm going to go over for him. Uh, same reason I went with Dabrinkit, just the opportunity. He's going to be the team's number one center for a long time, and I think just the fact that he's on the ice so much, on the power play so much, likely playing with Patrick Kane for a lot of the year, I'm going to go over 40.5 points for Dylan Strom. And the last one here, this is set by uh, betonline.ag. I want to save the best for last. Total points scored by Patrick Kane over under 64.5 half.
0: Oh my god.
2: That's By the way, it's 1 point less than Panarin.
0: I was just going to say that it's 1 point less than Artemi Panarin. Um I'm going to go I still think he'll be a point per game player. I think that you'd have to be a fool not to think he will be. That guy always figures out a way to get his points. I'm still going to go under though. Like I hate doing it, but I just like playing for a team that just has very low percentage chance of making the postseason I think that that ultimately kind of grates on Patrick Kane a little bit and I think that he probably hits some of those struggling patches that all these guys seem to hit at times during seasons I just I think he's gonna go under man and not by much I still think he ends up getting probably like 58 59 points but I think he'll be under I'm gonna
2: go with the over but barely just because someone's got a score. Same
0: logic earlier. Someone's got a score, yeah. and he's going to get, like, 25 minutes a game at least.
2: I'm trying to think, like, the last time the Blackhawks were terrible, right? Like, so, you know, 15 years ago or whatever. I'm looking
0: up Tyler Arneson's stats for the Blackhawks, right? So are you really comparing Patrick Kane to Tyler Arneson? I'm not I'm just telling you, though, like, guys without a lot of talent. I'm, I'm making that the tagline of this podcast is that Jay compares Patrick Kane to Tyler Arneson. I'm just
2: talking about the opportunity. Tyler Arneson had 55 points in 82 games for the Hawks once that's just because he was their only only option he's the only guy that could score that's a third line center on a good team right so but if if they're the only guy out there Patrick Kane's going to get a bunch of points this year and I think he might be one of the it might be one of those years where he has like 20 more points than anybody else on the team I I really think that uh yeah I think that I think that he's going to be over. I think. He's Do you be have over a bold
0: prediction for the Blackhawks this season?
2: Do I have a bold prediction?
0: Yeah, I have a. Pred-
2: I guess you just threw that on me, which is fine. Uh, but I, I'm thinking that Ian Mitchell will pass Adam Boquist in terms of being a prospect and a defenseman on this team. Well,
0: I mean, That's it's not prediction. surprising considering what Stan Bowman told us. But
2: I think that Ian Mitchell is going to please a lot of people. I think people are going to like him right away, and I also think Hawks fans are going to fall in love
0: with Nikita Zadorov. Mm. Is that a bold prediction? I I like that one, actually. I I do think that people are going to kind of thrill to the way that he plays the game. Yep. I think Suter sticks with the team the entire season, and I think that by the end of the season, he is their number two center like based on what they have, not like saying like he'll surpass Doc or Taves or anything like that. But I think that by the end of the season, he is at least going to be their number They're Actually, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to say he'll be their number one center by the end of the season. I think he'll surpass Dylan Strome on their depth. Chart. Wow. All right. I like that. That's interesting. I think that there's a shot of that. I, I, The fact that
2: he's so quickly been elevated to however you want to frame it, second or third line center, Mm-hmm. that's pretty telling man that they're like okay you're here and th- i was watching- already got
0: him playing with dominant Kubelik. yeah like and i was that's watching a, that's spri- a
2: big sign i was watching the scrimmage the other night after the bears lost who could have seen that happening um <laughs> and he was like working in front of the net and he just he looks the part just mu- mm-hmm. very much like Kubelik did uh pia Suter looks the part and i'm excited to see that look man i the season starts tomorrow I know that there's not a lot of high expectations for the Hawks, but part of what I love about watching hockey is the development process, and Mm -hmm. we are going to be well into it, so I'm really looking forward to that. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, you're going to hear our conversation with Blackhawks defenseman Connor Murphy. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Before we get to our interview with Blackhawks defenseman Connor Murphy, we've got to tell you about Dr. Squatch. We told you last week, you're kind of stinky. A lot of you ordered Dr. Squatch. You took our advice. Good job. Got some photos on the madhousepod at gmail.com account of people's orders arriving, and they are very, very thrilled with their orders, and you will be too. If you came to my house right now, I would say, get the hell out of my house. There's a pandemic. What's wrong with you? But I would show you through a window. Then in my bathroom, in my basement, I've got four bars of Dr. Squatch soap. I've got the conditioner. I've got the shampoo. I've got both toothpastes all in my shower because sometimes I brush my teeth in the shower when I'm running really, really late. I need to kill two birds with one stone. I'll do that. My basement looks like a Dr. Squatch warehouse. I've got an old glass cake uh, vase. I don't know what you call that. You put a cake in it. It's like on a stand. Looks like a giant wine glass with six bars lined up, ready to go for when I need more Squatch in my life. You need Dr. Squatch in your life. Go order some natural thick bricks of soap, the hair care kit, the deodorant, the toothpaste, everything Dr. Squatch offers you will love. And it's all natural, and it's made in the USA. What more do you need to know? Head to DrSquatch.com. If it's your first time, take that Squatch quiz on the top right of the screen. Fill that out. Take that quiz. It'll sort of guide you with your purchases, what you need, the smells you might like, etc. Then it's time to check out. When you check out, enter that promo code MADHOUSE20. You'll save 20% on your order while helping the podcast at the same time. DrSquatch.com, promo code MADHOUSE20. Without further ado, here is our conversation with Blackhawks defenseman Connor Murphy. Connor, thanks for taking some time out of your very busy preseason schedule to join us here on the podcast. How's it going today? It's
1: my pleasure, guys. It's good. Yeah, nice, uh, nice day. We're close to the season, so it can't get any better.
2: Yeah, that's sort of where I want to start is this very strange offseason. You've been in the league for a while now, and I don't know if you could have ever imagined an offseason quite like this. What's it been like, uh, you know, with no preseason and the limited practices and all that? What's your offseason been like here?
1: Yeah, it's been good. I think uh, this year, just because everything being shut down, most off seasons you'd have a, a few more distractions and get away from hockey and, uh, training a little bit with, uh, the summer. And and now it seems like with things shut down, it's easier to focus and just, uh, stick to your training and have your daily routines that way. Um, and then, so that way when this, this training camp has started, obviously it's been really short, but I think guys are in good shape, uh, having a good amount of time to train and, and even just being in shape for that, the, uh, camp before the bubble and playoffs, um, and then just kind of continuing that into, into this year. So I think, uh, we should be good, but it'll be, it definitely be different with it, with it being so short.
0: Everybody that we've talked to has kind of spoken about the kind of oddness of it, not being over the summer, having the off season, the summer, having it in the fall instead, was there any changes that you made like kind of off the ice to your routine? Were you having to play golf, do other activities? Like what kind of stuff did you do actually having a fall to yourself for once?
1: Yeah, I didn't do a whole lot different. I think it was nice to enjoy the holidays, like the different change in seasons. We don't really get to enjoy the fall as much. Usually we're, that's right when we're the thick of starting the season. So um, I wouldn't say doing too many outdoor activities, um, just more, yeah, hanging out and doing the festive stuff and, uh, and maybe seeing family a little bit. So uh, nothing too different.
2: How do you feel physically? You know, does it, coming in with a, a different sort of routine. I know you said it didn't change much, but have you felt, you know, maybe more winded, less winded during warm-ups, things like that? How, how has it been physically for you with the change?
1: Yeah, physically good. I think I feel better this year than I have uh, majority before. A big focus for me was uh was my groins. I I tweaked a groin uh the last couple of training camps actually, so had been spending a lot of time and attention on that um, and trying to do some more sprint uh, work skating to, to strengthen that. So it's not a shock when training camp comes around or going full speed. A lot of times that's tough because, Uh, even if you're going to train hard on the ice in the off season um, there's always a different pace to training camp and the drills um, that can kind of wear on your hips uh, a little bit so I was working on that and then uh, and then just I think because of not having much going on this summer you're usually trying to work out and then go golf or go hang out with people Um, you end up not resting as much as you would now in the in the winter and fall you tend to you tend to work hard in the morning and then hibernate during, during the day to, to get your naps and, and hang out when the sun's not up too much. So I think that actually helps your body recover a lot and kind of helps you get in better shape.
0: No preseason games are kind of a necessary evil for you guys just to kind of get the kinks worked out, play against some uh, opposing teams instead of having to go up against your teammates all the time. How different is that to not have that preseason to kind of get ready for all of this? And I guess the big question is are you a fan of not having to play preseason games and just being able to focus on practices and getting ready for the season?
1: Yeah, I kind of like preseason games. I think it, it tended to some years felt like it was drawn out. Uh, a little long until there's a lot I think there's usually what six of them is that right there's uh, sometimes it feels like you just need two two to three maybe and you're fine it was nice that we had a inter squad scrimmage against each other last night just um, even if you have the high-paced practices and training camp it's not the same as sitting three periods and having the intermissions and the commercial breaks and just those kind of in-game routines of um of kind of working for three plus hours with the warm-ups even before the game so just getting your body used to coming in at night and and having those games and getting in the rhythm that will come quick once the season gets going but yeah I I am a fan of uh kind of getting those routines going that way when the season starts you can kind of hit the ground running but uh, we've definitely had enough time there's no reason why we can't this year
2: how difficult was it, you know, last year playing in the bubble with no crowd? You're gonna to have to do it for basically the entire season this year. How big of an adjustment was that as a player?
1: Yeah, I don't think it was much. You had to change it was more just uh, there. You'd notice differences like momentum shifts in the game weren't weren't the same as they are with the crowd, especially when you're on the road, and um, they seem it could be a low quality scoring chance and the crowd goes nuts and you feel like you just gave up a big chance. That's, that's kind of putting you on your heels. So I know playing in Edmonton, like they, they scored, I think mean, McDavid scored the first goal against us and, um, and in a normal setting that building would have been insanely loud and, and they would have had more momentum, but it seemed like it was just quiet and they kind of had their 10 second celebration. And then the next puck drop, it didn't feel like we were phased at all. So I think that part kind of helps. Um, but you do miss on the home side. You miss a lot of that energy that you get. And uh, for us at United Center, the anthems and um, kind of the the pregame stuff too, uh, that definitely feeds a lot into your adrenaline. So you'll definitely miss that and hopefully get it back uh, sooner than later.
0: Since we're on the topic of kind of some of the changes that have been necessitated by COVID, I wanted to get your take on the NHL scheduling, kind of the back to back games. And I was really curious to see if that was helpful for you as a defenseman to see the same team back to back games. So you kind of get a feel for their tendencies, or do you think that it could be a challenge because then opponents can see how you're working to defend them? I kind of just wanted to get your take on that.
1: No, I, I think it always helps the defensive side, defensive mentality. You kind of look at playoff series and um, when you in the playoffs, the team that tends to win is the one that defends the best, usually. So, uh, I think that that helps um, kind of getting the tendencies of how guys wanna wanna be uh, elusive offensively. So that part's nice, and I think even just for us playing the 82 games in usual season, you're you're and having to play each team at least once when they change the schedule to that years ago, um, you're doing a lot more traveling and a lot more different time changes and after the game we're going straight to the airport and then not getting home till 2 a.m or so so this is less of that obviously you have uh more time to kind of recover and then prep for that next game uh where you're playing the same team so I like that and uh I think that's what it'll be fun about this year is a different opportunity instead of just the the usual season so it'll be interesting to see how teams uh, overall like it and if, if there would be more of that maybe in the future.
2: Connor, I wanted to ask you about the mood of the team going into the season. Um, you know, we heard in the off season, it was going to be a commitment to the youth. But at that time you had Doc, you had Nylander, you had Taves. And before the season even really begins, you've got three pretty big losses uh, facing you guys. What's the mood of the team? What's the spirit of the team as we head into the opener on Wednesday?
1: Yeah, I think the mood's good. I think guys are excited to be backing around. and And I think the big word is opportunity for everyone. Whether you're uh, you're new and trying to prove yourself in an organization in the league, or or if you've been around a few years and trying to um, maybe lead in a, in a different way, or in, in a bigger role, or uh, or even just uh, try to um, try to be an underdog to, that a lot of people aren't aren't uh, touting um, us as high as uh, we think that we we will be. So um, there's that challenge and opportunity that'll be a lot of fun and. Um, but those guys that we do miss um, there there's definitely uh, a different feeling when we don't have some leaders like taser especially around the around the room uh, he's a guy that uh, don't really even need to explain everyone knows the impact that he has one of the best centermen in the league and you know, on the defensive side and offensively and in the dressing room as a captain it's just it's definitely a weird feeling not seeing a guy like that around and um, and we definitely miss them, but we have enough guys that, that can, uh, can pick up uh, with leadership to, to help, uh, everyone along the right way.
2: Well, speaking of opportunity, uh, some of the guys I'm most excited to watch this year are some of your uh, partners on the blue line with, uh, Adam Boquist entering his second full year, Ian Mitchell, who's come and has looked really good in camp so far. And even Bo Dan Carlson, some of those guys who's impressed you in terms of the young players on the blue line and maybe elsewhere.
1: Yeah. What I like about those young guys is they, they don't seem to uh, so far show that, that those young jitters. And um, I I know just personally, my first uh, year or two, I I definitely was uh, rattled a little more when things weren't going right or, or uh, having nerves playing against guys like being on the ice against Kane or, or certain guys that you're not used to uh, having that challenge. Um, And these guys seem to be very uh, even keel and very confident and, and uh, playing their game. So I think that that's important for for whoever's playing and, and what roles they're put into. Um, and, and they're just great guys and good teammates to have around. I was lucky to play with Carlson last year a bit, and, uh, and Bodan got a few games, and then Ian Mitchell's shows he's such a good skater, and, um, and uh, we expect a, a lot from him, and uh, you know that he's going to impress a lot of people right away. So uh, I don't know individually if there's one guy I'd say that uh, we haven't had that long of a camp, but they all definitely seem comfortable, which is uh, really key to have, uh, when, when the season's going to start so quick.
0: Obviously, the, all the young guys are going to be really exciting to watch. And I know that Jay and I are really looking forward to kind of seeing their development. But one guy that Blackhawks fans think the world of, a guy that we have a ton of respect for, obviously, is Duncan Keith. Hockey World shares our viewpoint of him, yeah. I guess. I'm really curious what it's like been like for you to line up next to him on the ice, to like share that pairing with him. Is there anything that you've kind of learned and applied to your game after working with him? What's it like to be a defensive partner with a guy who's had the kind of career success that he's had?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the, the line I learned that I think that speaks a lot of volumes to him and a couple of our guys is success leaves clues. So I think uh, the amount of success they've had in their careers and the amount of winning they've had, um, you you realize uh, what, what a lot of those things have led to. And he's, I think he's actually uh, a decently predictable defender. Um, he has a lot of the same same moves and same patterns that, uh, as a partner, you, you want to see and be able to read off of, whether it's some D-to-D plays or, um, even the ways that ways that he closes in on guys and uses his stick in his skating. So um, he's a, an unbelievable player that, that I definitely have uh, learned from how he, he uses his stick and, and does a lot of defending just as me being more of a defender in that way. Um, so it's, it's cool to have him around to see that. And uh, you definitely don't take it for granted. There's a lot of, a lot of teams are on that don't have uh, guys that have had that long of a career that have learned so many ways and how to make the game easier on yourself. So, uh, he has that presence about him and um, and he's, he's really good with the young guys too. He, he definitely helped out uh, Boki a lot, paired with him last year. And then uh, this year, I mean, I noticed right off day one of camp, he pulls uh, a couple of our new uh, young D-men that are the first year and just shows them about defending with their stick in certain ways. So those are things that are so valuable and Um, I think everyone's got those stories, um, of guys that they've learned from as they get into their later in their career of, uh, those little details that they've helped along the way. And, and it means a lot.
2: One thing I want to make sure I asked you, um, there was a lot of, uh, I guess you'd say hindsight when Kirby doc got injured in the world junior championships, uh, you're a guy who won a gold medal with team USA in 2013. You won another gold in the under 18 in 2011, I believe you were the captain of that team and won the gold went the gold medal overtime winning game, uh, goal correct? in 20 Not the
1: captain but I scored yeah
2: <laughs> okay. all that matters is a goal um tell our <laughs> listeners who might not be as familiar with the World Junior Championships what that means to a player at that age what that means to Kirby Doc. Uh, James and I have sort of been saying look despite the fact that he got hurt it was the right thing to do for him and for his future and for his development uh what's your sort of take on that whole situation
1: yeah i think that World Juniors is such a a milestone to be able to play in um you grow up and that is like right next to the NHL is, as the biggest thing that you could play in um, just being able to play for your country. And there's not many international tournaments that resemble the hype uh, for international play. Is that u 20 for whatever reason? I don't, I don't know why the history kind of has shown that that's been, but um it's something that I remember when I was playing in it, I remember going to the finals and I was watching YouTube of every other finals in the past, um, past years and the guys had won the gold medals and how many guys that were in the NHL that had played in that tournament. So you kind of just look at it like that's one of your first chances, even though you're usually already drafted, it's kind of when you're, chance to show the hockey world like what you're capable of and what your country's capable of with the guys you played with growing up um, a lot of those guys have played in different international tournaments from when they were 15 6 14 15 so it sh- it means a lot to, to everyone to be able to play for your country and um, that's why um, you know it meant a lot to Docker and the support you showed he, he, you saw that he showed on social media to his teammates even though he wasn't there um, just the pride that everyone has for their country and them being in Canada too so it's 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 sad to have any injuries um uh obviously him being out is is terrible even for that amount of time but it's, it's hard you can't can't predict those things and can't go around uh, expecting to injuries to happen in the game because it's just part of it
0: Connor, we really appreciate having you on. And uh, I know we've asked you a lot of hockey related questions, but I do have one question that's kind of more designed for you to give uh, Jay some career advice. He does some DJing on the radio on the sides. And I remember reading in the Sun Times that you volunteered to play the role of dressing room DJ for the Blackhawks.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Volunteer.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, is there uh, music in your rotation right now that you could suggest for uh, Jay to potentially use?
1: I fell off the path a bit with COVID just cause I was, I don't know, we were, we were all just doing our own thing and not being around the guys and, and looking for the new songs as much. But the guy that I actually asked lately is uh, Subi Subban. He's, he's good. He's got a, what I respect with him is he likes about every genre of music. And I always feel like the people that have good taste in music kind of respect everything. And we got a lot of guys in our team, <laughs> who are not like that. We do a lot of guys who are just so biased towards one type or <laughs> only country or only rap or only techno and that, and then they'll just chirp anything else that's on there. So, um, Suvi's probably the guy to ask, I don't know, but what, what kind of music do you usually throw on as a DJ?
2: Uh, I do a, uh, a show on an app called gimme country. So it's all country, but yeah. I'm, I'm very particular about the country I play. It's old stuff, not the new stuff, but it's all really good. <laughs> that's good so you
1: know your audience and how you pick the certain things
2: that's right yeah i that's get to pick my own stuff so it's it's you know it's the uh the waylon jennings the willie nelson's and then the people like from now who are similar that's, so
1: that's great fun. yeah yeah we have we are just hard because we get like guys like uh boquist who only listen to justin bieber and and Avicii, <laughs> and then you got like guys like dunks who listen to like country rap so it's like all right, it's, it's just yeah. about everything you can imagine so it's even hard to like mix all those songs together. You got to kind of just like pick one per day to, to listen to. Them.
0: Is there anybody on the team that like listens to something that completely shocks you? Like that you would look at him and be like, there's no way he likes that. What the heck's going
1: on here? It's, that's not- probably Dunks. Dunks likes the, like there's, I don't even know. I didn't know it was a thing. There's like country rap, like country, like country singers that are rapping. So he's, he likes that. And it's like kind of like, I don't know, kind of really like dirt road, like, rapping type lyrics and it's just it's just funny because it's it just feels like you're mixing two genres that you never thought would really go together but then the one the best ones are uh, like russian guys and they put on their music and it's just a different language and a bunch of just like yelling techno and russian and it's just it's funny and you get that they like it but it's just something when you're like raised in the u.s you never in your life listened to and then it comes on and it throws you off so it's fun
2: I think you guys should just put together a team playlist. Everybody picks a song and just yeah, you just hit shuffle and see what happens. Yep. Yeah. Connor, yeah, exactly. thanks so much for your time, man. We appreciate yeah. it. good luck going into the season. Uh, here's to good health. Here's to a bunch of wins. And uh, stay safe out there, man. We're thinking about like, talking definitely. to you guys. It means a lot. We're excited to that. have hockey back, that's for sure. Yeah, of course. All right. Hawks defenseman Connor Murphy was our guest on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Thank you to the Blackhawks for making that interview with Connor Murphy happen. And obviously thanks to Connor Murphy for taking some time out of his day to join us here on the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Hopefully we can get some more player coach interviews as the season rolls on. But hockey is here. Wednesday is the day. Remember, Wednesday afternoon, our interview, our lightning preview with Kaylee Chelios will drop. We'll probably also review the uh, final roster a little bit there as well. So keep an eye out for that. But thanks for listening to today's episode of the madhouse chicago hockey podcast we finally made it hockey is here enjoy the first game enjoy the season and we'll be with you every step of the way on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast
1: the madhouse chicago hockey podcast was brought to you by triple threat sports Marischka's and crest hill dr squatch and by fry the coop
0: If your loved one is at risk of a fall, the Symphony Medical Alert System from CVS Health can help support their safety in their home with 24-7 emergency monitoring, even when you can't be there. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more about Symphony at cvs.com slash symphony or find it at your nearest CVS Health Hub.